You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadad. So today on this day in Packers history, uh, we are breaking down the Arizona Cardinals. Now, this is kind of an interesting one because it really just goes to show how bad last year was because I go through and basically say, look, things are bad, but uh, this is an automatic win. This is a, <laughs> it's, oh, I just realized how horrible this was because I'm saying the exact same thing about the Giants right now. Oh, oof, sorry. Oh, that just. Hor- that shook me to my core a little bit. Although you're listening to this after the game, so you already know what happened. Oh, I just got a real sick feeling in my stomach. Anyways, um, we obviously go on to lose this game. So, um, anyways, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. There was a little bit of history, which the, the history portion is cool too, um, just because this apparently was the day in which uh, George H.W. passed away, as well as the day in which Tyreek Hill was uh, kicked off the team for pushing over a lady and kind of kicking her while she was on the ground and whatnot. So you get a little bit of those kind of tidbits that are going on. It's kind of fun for me because I get to hear, like, you know, I was talking about how I was playing Civ Five, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I used to play that a lot back in the day. Just just whatever. But uh, just kind of going through, this was just more or less the game plan, kind of similar to what I did yesterday for the Giants, just kind of breaking down who they are, what they are, and how terrible they are, and why we're going to win and all that kind of stuff. So another interesting little tidbit. Obviously, after this, it's going to get really, really dark, so stay tuned. (laughs) But um, anyways, we'll take a break, and we'll get into it. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights... You're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. So kind of a late start today. That's a little bit my fault. I woke up and I accidentally left a video game up on the computer, Civilization 5. And I was like, you know what, man? I'm in the middle of a war. I might as well just finish off England because she's been talking smack all day anyways. I was like, all right, fine. I'll just wrap it up. I mean, she's, she, she got nothing. I'll just wipe her out in like seven turns, and that's about what it took. 
So I took care of England, and then then Gandhi over there starts talking smack, and it's like, dude, all right, you want to you want to go? Let's go. So I I had to take on Gandhi, you know. And then the family woke up, and anyways, I uh, I didn't get the podcast done in time, but got a few hours to uh, to squeeze it in, and um, it's probably a good thing. Because the plan was, I was going to briefly touch on the fact that uh, George H.W. Bush passed away, just kind of offer up a condolence, and then uh, talk about Kareem Hunt and the fact that he got suspended. But then I spent the last several hours on Twitter and realized, I'm not touching that. I'm not touching either of those things. Like, ever. At all. Because that's just ridiculous. (laughs) Today is one of those days you just want to put Twitter away. So, I haven't done that yet, but I'm going to try to take my own advice and just put it away for... uh, for a couple days, at least until the game tomorrow, because that place is just, sometimes I just don't know, man, sometimes I just don't know, but Twitter's working it out, we're trying to decide if, if uh, we should offer condolences or mock the guy that died, you know, we're working on that, uh, Kareem Hunt kind of, you know, pushed a lady and kicked her a little bit, trying to decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing, we're not sure yet, we're working on it over there at Twitter. The Chiefs suspended him or kicked him off the team. Um, we're trying to figure out if that was a good thing or not. Um, fantasy implications, can we talk about it? NFL suspending him, good or bad? We don't really know a lot yet. We, we're, we're, get, we're working on it, though, over at the Twitter. But I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cash in my chips and walk away and let you folks figure it out because you're doing a swell job, just a bang-up job over there at Twitter right now. I hope there's aliens, and I hope they have Twitter. And I hope they're seeing this. And I hope they just decide as en- enough is enough. Because sometimes I just wish they just push the button. You know, just push it, push the button. It's not. It's all downhill from here, Martians. All right, just just push the button. I'm. I swear. I'm sorry. Was that too dark? I take it back. Don't push the button. We'll be better. I promise. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll get it right on the next one. But anyways. Fortunately for you, that means I'm not even going to touch it. I'm not going to talk about that. We're just going to talk football, particularly because I uh, um, spent yesterday talking about what I wasn't supposed to be talking about. We're going to have to cram two things into one thing today in today's podcast. So breaking down the Cardinals, talking game plan. Now, what that means is um, I'm actually going to switch it up. Usually it's how do we beat the other team. Considering I don't see any way in the history of the universe outside of just someone deciding we're going to tank like Aaron Rodgers or something crazy like maybe Bakhtiari doesn't play and Aaron Rodgers gets sacked 16 times, something crazy, I just don't see us losing this game. So strategy, we're going to be talking about how in the world do the Cardinals beat the Packers. So that'll be be a fun little twist for the day. So to be clear, when I say that the Arizona Cardinals are not a very good team, allow me to tell you why I say that. From a statistical standpoint, they currently rank 32nd on offense in both points and yards. They rank 26th in points on defense and 19th yards defensively given up. So that's not super great. They're also 32nd in first downs, 27th turnovers on offense, as in given up a ton, 22 28th in first downs given up by the defense, 30th in passing attempts, 32nd in passing yards, 29th in passing touchdowns, 29th in interceptions, 31st in net yards per attempt passing, 27th in rushing attempts, 32nd in rushing yards, 26th in rushing touchdowns, 32nd in yards per attempt, which is incredible considering the 31st in net yards per attempt passing at only 4.8. Passing 
4.8 yards per attempt. That's okay if you're running. <laughs> That's passing. They're 31st. They're also 32nd, dead last, in rushing yards per attempt at 3.5 yards. Dead last. That's with David Johnson running the ball, by the way. The guy who really only had like one year, but he just happened to be the best running back in the NFL that year. That guy? Yeah, that guy. 32nd in rushing touchdowns allowed. 30th in rushing yards. 32nd in drives ending in a score. 30th in average starting field position allowed. 32nd in time per drive. 30th in time per drive allowed. Etc. Etc. You get the point, right? It's not just that they're bad and they're arguably the worst. I'm talking about every single category for the most part. The only redeemable quality they have is pass defense. Um... Unfortunately for them, nobody throws against the Cardinals, which is going to be interesting for the Packers because the Packers just can't can't help themselves, right? So <laughs> they're fourth in yards allowed, seventh in passing touchdowns allowed, um, seventh in net yards per attempt, but you also have to factor in fourth in attempts, which means just everybody just decides not to throw because why? Because they're terrible in run defense. 30th in rushing yards, 32nd in rushing touchdowns, 20th in net yards per attempt, rushing 4.5 yards. So they're not good at all. And if the Packers are smart, they just run the ball a lot and then occasionally throw, because even though that's their one redeemable quality, it's still not that good. Switching our attention to pro football focus, they are officially ranked overall 32nd, as in dead last in the NFL. Offensively, they're ranked 31st, only better than Buffalo defensively they're ranked 25th breaking that down a little further on offense they are ranked 30th in passing offense 32nd in pass blocking 30th in receiving now understand these are completely separate categories right so if if the quarterback is terrible but the receivers are awesome or if the receivers are terrible but the running back is awesome but the the offensive line is awesome if any one of these things is awesome these are separate grades based on separate position groups so (laughs) What what in the world? 30th in receiving. Which, by the way, what in the world? I'm putting almost entirely on the head coaching staff. Or the coaching staff. They did change the offensive coordinator. That seemed to help a little bit. But it's still just an absolute mess. Which, incredible amount of props to the previous administration that was in there. Because holy shamrolies. To go from being, like, in contention to being literally the biggest pile of garbage in the NFL, that's pretty incredible. Continuing on, with David Johnson, they are ranked 29th in rushing the football. Run blocking, 19th. So the offensive line isn't great, and I don't really know why, because it should be a lot better than it is, but it's not very good. But still, run blocking is probably the best thing they do on offense, but they can't run the ball, and they can't throw the ball. They can't do anything at all on offense. So right off the bat, just based on the things that I've said over the last five minutes, it seems as though the best strategy for both teams is to run, 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 run. Because the only thing this team can do is is run block, and you have David Johnson, and the Packers' run defense is not all that fantastic. On the flip side, the Cardinals' ability to stop the run is an absolute joke. And if they're good at anything, it's maybe, you know, not allowing as much to happen through the air even though the numbers are skewed because nobody even tries to throw against this team. But um, that'll be interesting to see. (laughs) I I think 
if you gave the reins to a thousand people, 997 of them would give Aaron Jones more than 20 carries. Mike McCarthy and two other guys would have Aaron Jones running less than two other times. That's that's just my rough guess. So this will be a very, very interesting game. And if David Bakhtiari doesn't play and we're still throwing and Aaron Jones doesn't get the ball more than 20 times, we're, we're tanking or Mike McCarthy is just the dumbest human being on the planet Earth. There's no other way to read that. If there is a legitimate concern of Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, I, on, t- on top of so many things, my mind is just rushing with information because for every single reason, run the ball. They can't stop it. They can't score. We can't protect Rodgers. We can't really throw anyways. Run, 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 run. Eh, screen pass. Run, 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 run. Touchdown. How's that sound? I'm talking like 35 carries. If you want to put Jamal in, put Jamal in. I don't care. I mean, I don't want Aaron Jones to get hurt. I don't want him to be cashed out by halftime. Go ahead and put Jamal in. Once in a while. I want Jamal getting like 12, 13 carries. I want Aaron Jones getting 25. And you know I don't... I'm not that guy. If you've been listening to the podcast, I'm not like everybody else on Packers Twitter that's been saying every single week since week three, Aaron Jones should be carrying the ball 30 times a game. I say it when it makes sense. And then sometimes, like against Minnesota, when he didn't run that well, I said prior to the game, yeah, this probably isn't the game to run very much. And it wasn't. He didn't do much. Because it's a tough team to run against. Especially with our trash offensive line. you got to pick your battles. And I'm telling you right now, this is the ultimate battle. This is, this is Aaron Jones. Not that he needs a breakout game, for, but just for those of you that haven't really figured out who Aaron Jones is, this is the game for those guys. This is the 200-yard game. This is just, this is the, <laughs> I, I, I can't put into words how much damage Aaron Jones can do against this team. There just are not words. I mean, if he just continues his average of about six yards and we give him 25 carries, that's 150 yards. And I, <laughs> and that's that's not the Cardinals that we've been doing that against all year for him to get that six yards per attempt. He's not, uh... He's not exactly opposed to getting 10 yards a carry on occasion. If this can be a 10-yard per carry game, which which basically means he's getting 5s and 8s and 10s with an occasional 40-yard run, right? That's how you average out 10. And we're talking 25 carries. We're talking 250 yards and what, 3 touchdowns? Maybe I'm getting a little carried away, but I'm just saying, forget the highlights and all that, even though that's definitely doable. Run the ball. Shall we continue? So continuing on with defense now, Pro Football Focus has their run defense at 28th. Only the Falcons, who we will be playing this year, the Browns, the Chiefs, and the Buccaneers. And I've never heard of the Chiefs before. I don't even know what team that is. That's really weird. I've never heard of that. They're the only teams that have a worse run defense, which is lovely for us. Oh, by the way, did I mention we're playing the Chiefs? Or the (laughs) oopsie doozies, we're playing the Falcons. Run, run, run against them too. Thank you very much. Then again, oh, wait, I forgot Aaron Rodgers wants to play Superman Hero, which I really want to stay focused today as best as I can. <laughs> oh, man. Why? What? <clears throat> Give me a minute. You've all heard that quote, or at least have, have 
understood that there was a reference out there to Aaron Rodgers saying something to the effect of, you know what, maybe I'll just go crazy today or, uh, you know, on the game against the Cardinals and just start airing it out because, I mean, you guys are going to criticize what I do anyways. I'm, I'm going to be nice, but you've been doing that all year, dude. That's the problem. Yeah, may, maybe I'll just air it out every play because whatever. Dude, you... you mm. Okay, yeah, fine, go ahead. Let's abandon the run against the Cardinals and just just throw it deep. Let's just, you know what? Let's just throw it to Devontae every single play because their only good player on their entire team is Patrick Peterson. Let's throw it at that guy all day long. Boy, oh boy, do I hope that's the strategy. Man, I'm, I'm telling you. Aaron, if you're going to go crazy, you better make it work because this is the most winnable game in the history of the universe. Any... Two-bit, half-wit individual can draw up a game plan to beat this team, and you just laid out the one strategy that's going to get us to lose this game. I know it was just off the cuff and you're kind of joking, but I'm dead serious. If you follow through with that nonsense and we lose this game, (laughs) it better be for the sake of tanking. Like, I just, I really hope this is some devious, super genius you know, evil plot to tank the season. <laughs> As if he'd never thought of it before. Mr. <laughs> Mister Go Deep Every Play is getting questioned about it, and he's like, you know what? I got an idea. How about I, ju- how about I just air it out every play? How would you guys like that? Might as well. Like, d- dude, you, that's... Yeah, literally every week, that's what you guys have been doing. That's you and Mike have drawn that up every play, every week, and that's why we lose. But yeah, sure, go ahead and be a smart guy. Go, Yeah, let's run that one. Let, let's mix it up a little bit. You know what would mix it up? Run the ball. You want to throw us all for a loop? Run it. Hit your check down once in a while. Boy, oh boy, you want to blow my mind? That's how you can do it. You know how else you can blow my mind? Win a game. Sorry, that was mean. It's just, what what a ridiculous comment that was. As if you haven't done that all year. Whatever. I'm, I'm fairly certain he was just goofing around. I really am. But there's just a tiny piece inside of me that, that thinks that that's a real voice going on in the back of his head. Saying, you know what? We've been trying to play cool. And we've been doing the check down and screen game. Let's just say forget it and just do nothing but draw up deep shots to Devontae Adams every single play. And a couple to Jimmy Graham, and that's it. Any run play called, I'm checking out of it. Anyways, whatever. All right, not getting distracted anymore. 28th in run defense, got it. Tackling, actually 7th, so there's some, some, you know, fundamentals going on there. Pass rush, 17th, not the worst in the world. Again, (laughs) one of those things where you want to know how the stars align? Abandon the run against one of the easiest teams to run against, or the easiest team to run against. Drop back for deep throws, and allow one of the few things they do well, rush the passer, to work against the Green Bay Packers because we hold the ball for four seconds and he gets, you know, sacked seven times. And Just saying. You want to know how it happens, I'm telling you how it happens. We can play smart, or we can keep doing the things that we've been doing and watch it blow up in our face in the most horrific kind of way that it could ever blow up. Their coverage grade at this time is ranked 19th. For Grins, special teams, 13th. Looking a little more in-depth in terms of uh, what they've done over the course of the year, 
their offensive grade has improved a little bit. As I said, they got rid of their offensive coordinator and replaced him. So over the year, or you know, over the course of the year, they have been getting a little bit better. Their last, you know, it's hard to quantify, I guess, but their last really bad game was maybe against the Denver Broncos. It's really tough to say, considering they're on a three-game losing streak, including losing to the Oakland Raiders. But I'm I'm trying to set a different kind of standard here <laughs> for the for the Cardinals. Which let that sink in a little bit now. They lost to the Raiders. The Raiders aren't going to win any games this year, and I would have said that includes the Cardinals. Cardinals couldn't find a way to beat the Raiders, who don't have any players, and anytime anyone shows any talent, they get shipped off. That team beat the Cardinals just just two weeks ago. Not long ago at all. Week 11 that happened. But really, um, not a whole lot going on as far as like, oh boy, this has gotten a whole lot better. Or worse for that matter. They've just been consistently garbage for quite quite a while. Again, because we're um, a little bit more short on time, wanting to compress two things into one, I'm going to more or less leave that at that. and kind of break down the uh, one-on-ones. The complication here is that even though this is a little bit later, I still don't know who's playing and who's not. I literally just found out 30 seconds ago that Kumaro was activated, and that ultimately means somebody is going to be added to IR, which, you know, it, you know, I don't know. Raven Green, Mike Daniels, Trevor Davis, Trey Carson, Kentrell Bryce, one of those guys is going to IR. But there's also questions about David Bakhtiari, Bashad Breland, Randall Cobb, Kevin King, and Lane Taylor. And these are these are pretty pivotal people. I mean, as much as I've talked about not being a huge fan of Lane Taylor, the drop-off from Lane Taylor is massive. I want Byron Bell to be replaced by McRae because as bad as McRae is... Um, Bell seems to be worse. If Lane Taylor isn't playing, that would essentially mean that you're going to have um, Bell and McRae playing guard. And if David Bakhtiari doesn't play, which I'm thinking he is, but let's just say if, we're talking <laughs> an offensive line that is from left to right, Spriggs, McRae, Lindsley, Bell, and then Balaga, in which Balaga is like an elite freakish player compared to everybody else. Well, Lindsley's pretty good. But that's that's bad. On top of that, we're talking about two cornerbacks, Bashad Breeland and Kevin King. Now, we still have Jair, and I guess Josh Jackson is, is all right. And Tony Brown is showing some flashes, but I'm feeling a lot better about Kevin King and Jair and Bashad Breeland being on the field. So, I mean, th- these are pretty massive swings. And then on top of that, we got Randall Cobb. Now, he, again, isn't the Randall Cobb of old, but considering how bad our wide receiver rookies have been the last two, three weeks, um, Randall Cobb could be a pretty big difference maker in this game, especially with our tight end with a bum knee and a broken finger. On top of that, let me run through once again the people that are officially out. Raven Green and Kentrell Bryce. Neither of those two are exactly, um, you know, Pro Bowl-type players, but we kind of need as much help at safety as we can get. Trey Carson, nothing special again, but again, depth, kind of an issue. Wide receiver Trevor Davis, not really worried about him as a wide receiver, but how much more beneficial is it to have him as a special teams guy than, uh, I don't know, what do we got, Tremont? And I, I, who cares? He's pretty much the only guy that has the ability to do the job, and he's out. And then Mike Daniels, who again... Somewhat of a down year, but a down year for Mike Daniels means he's above average. So, again, to reiterate, a little bit difficult to do this, but let me give it my best. 
So for starters, looking at the Green Bay Packers while we were on offense, um, the reason it's kind of a big deal who's playing on our offensive line and who's not is because of Mr. Chandler Jones. The Cardinals have the guy lining up on the inside as well as the outside, and if he is... If uh, David Bakhtiari is not playing, that means that we're going to be seeing Chandler Jones on top of Aaron Rodgers quite a bit. But even if David Bakhtiari does play, our, you know, he plays defensive tackle a good amount. Like in, in nickel situations, he's moved to the inside, and you got more of the speed guys on the outside. And that means Chandler Jones is going up against Byron Bell. So it's not like, well, as long as Bakhtiari's in, we're fine. That's not necessarily the case. They're most dangerous pass rushers, and one of the better ones in the NFL still at his age is on the field up against one of the worst offensive linemen in the NFL, and I mean that sincerely, Byron Bell. So that's problematic. Otherwise, however, they don't have a whole lot going on. Um, Benson Mayoa, Olson Pierre, I don't even know who those guys are, but they're not good at all. Marcus Golden, defensive end, not good. Their linebackers are very, very, very not good, including Mr. Hassan Reddick that a lot of people thought was going to be good. He's not which is probably why their run defense is so bad. They just don't have a whole lot going on up front with the exception of Mr. Jones and their linebackers are just no good. So running the ball is going to be our best bet again. But here's the real kicker. The one thing they have outside of Jones that's pretty good, Chandler Jones that is, is Mr. Marcus Peters. Or uh, I'm sorry, did I have I been saying that the whole time? Patrick Peterson. I hope I haven't been saying Marcus Peters this whole time. Patrick Peterson is their cornerback. Dude is good. And there's almost no doubt in my mind he's going to be lined up against Devontae Adams pretty much all day. Now, maybe they're going to take the opposite um, approach, similar to what Mike Pettin said. They're going to double double up um, Devontae Adams and put Patrick Peterson on whoever, Valdez Scantling, I suppose. The point here is if we're going to have any success, and I would assume we're going to have a lot, but I don't know that, it's going to be because somebody other than Devontae Adams is going to step up. That's not to say Devontae can't beat whoever, because he's never not beat the person in front of him. He's always able to beat him. Not necessarily every single play, but he's never getting shut down. That's just not going to happen. And that's saying a lot. If you remember not too long ago, and granted this was not exactly peak Jordy Nelson, but it was several years ago, um, the Seattle Seahawks put... Richard Sherman on one side of the field, and he locked down that side of the field. Jordy Nelson was our number one guy. Now, we didn't just throw Jordy Nelson out there and say, go beat him, and then he went and beat him. Devontae Adams is different. Devontae Adams is a different kind of guy in that he's just not going to get beat. He's not going to get locked down. Still, if it's so simple of a game plan to just take away Devontae and this offense is going to struggle, I'm worried. And because I don't necessarily trust the Packers to run the ball a ton, and, 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 you know, as much as we should do that, that's not necessarily a winning strategy anyway. You have to throw sometimes. And if our throw sometimes strategy is just always throw to Devontae, that's a problem. Now, fortunately, everybody else is garbage. The other boundary corner they have is David Amerson. David Amerson is terrible. I'm talking terrible. Whether it's Equinemius or our Marquez or Jay Kumaro, This guy should be getting beat a lot. Even worse than him is a guy by the name of Leonard Johnson. Leonard Johnson, I kid you not, is the third worst cornerback graded in the NFL right now. Tease Tabor and Devon House are the only two corners graded worse than Leonard Johnson. He's their slot corner. If Randall Cobb comes back, and I kind of hope he does, 
this needs to be, has to be an area that we can exploit. I'm talking, when I say exploit, I'm not talking about like once or twice. I'm talking about whenever we decide to throw that way, we throw that way. Just, just you know, 140 yards and two touchdowns. Because that's what, that listen, this is what everybody did to us last year and the year before when we had our garbage corners. They just picked on guys all day long. Why don't we do that? Why is it always up to our number one to beat their number one? Just go pick on them a little bit. They got garbage, go beat their garbage. Why, why do we have to make it hard on ourselves? Do the easy stuff. They can't stop the run. Run the ball. They got a terrible slot corner. Throw it to your slot corner, to your slot wide receiver. Their, their other boundary guy is terrible. Marquez, go eat him up, man. Same with Devontae. If you want to double up Devontae and put Patrick Peterson on Marquez, fine. Devontae's can, can, Devontae can beat that. You, got, you might have to keep it a little shallow, but if you have one of the most garbage corners, and by the way, the other boundary guy is David Amerson. He's, he's uh, rated 146th in the NFL out of 195. Really, 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 really bad. I'm talking about worse than our corners last year. Our corners last year were graded like 100th. Like, we had like two or three outs out of the top 100, but it was like 101, 110, and 115. This guy's 146. If if you got this guy on Devontae Adams with a little safety help kind of doubling him up, yeah, oh, uh, best of luck. Best of luck. Even with two, best of luck. So I guess to summarize right now, it would be more or less... Even if things go poorly, I still see us winning the game, you know, because they, they can't score enough points in, in in every facet we're better. Even if we got our other wide receivers outside of Devontae that can't play, Devontae and a run game is probably still good enough with an occasional catch from everybody else. But it's not going to make me feel very good. Because this isn't just about winning the game. Because we still have to talk about the whole question of do we want to win or not now i'm i'm going to root for the packers to get into the playoffs but if we win this game in a way that suggests to me that we are a horrible football team i'm going to be very upset that we won like if we win this by three i'm going to be upset because a team that beats the arizona cardinals by three and can't find a way to get down the field and score or stop their offense for that matter is not a team that can beat very many other teams and we hurt our draft stock but yeah, absolutely. Let's let's dominate this team. So that's why I say, even though I don't see any any capacity for the Arizona Cardinals to beat this team, I still would like to be able to see people rise up against people that they should be able to beat. If you're in the slot up against literally one of the worst slot corners or corners in the NFL and you can't win, I'm concerned. This should just be an absolute feast. It's it's Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones, and Equinemius, and Randall Cobb, and Jay Kumaro, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Jimmy Flubbin Graham up against this garbage. If, if we can't get 40 points, I'm going to start to question things. 30 is a bare minimum. If we're getting 21 points, man, I just don't know. In Lambeau? In Green Bay? Really? Mm, I don't know about that. 30 points. Bare minimum. And if they even sniff 30 points against our defense, not going to be happy. I can tolerate 20, maybe. As far as their safeties, they got Antoine Bethea and Trey Boston. Two relatively known commodities. 
guys that have played well at times, um, but nobody, especially this year, that's doing all that much. But as compared to the rest of the team, they're they're relatively mediocre. But again, it leads me to just say, you know what? Let's just stay away from the deep part of the field. Let's just not mess with it. If you want to take a shot once in a while, fine. But if, if our entire game plan is let's challenge the only talent they have, let's see if we can hold the ball longer and not get sacked by Chandler Jones. Let's try to go deep with our number one guy against Patrick Peterson with Antoine Bethea and Trey Boston in the backfield. Why? Again, why make it hard on ourselves? Why? Why? Just don't. Don't be too proud to run away, man. They're giving us this game. Just take it. Just take it. All right, let's flip it to the other side of the field now. Now, based on my pro football focus vernacular, they have one player that's graded as good. Maybe you could say two. You know what? Let, let's be diplomatic and call it three. Larry Fitzgerald, left tackle Corey Cunningham, and rookie Christian Kirk. Now, I really like Christian Kirk. The problem with the Arizona Cardinals is that they drafted Christian Kirk and put him on the boundary because Christian Kirk is a slot receiver. But Larry Fitzgerald is in the slot, and they decided to leave him in the slot, so you got a slot receiver out on the boundary. It's kind of like pushing Randall Cobb out there. We did that once. It didn't work very well at all. But anyways, that's their problem to figure out. So those are the only three that have really produced anything this year, and that includes Mr. David Johnson, who was kind of a freak at one point in his career, but just isn't. Why? Don't really care. Not my problem. Could be coaching. Could be that Johnson was maybe overinflated. Could be the offensive line. Again, don't care. So what I can almost guarantee, and I could be wrong because I know, you know, again, Sometimes we do Alexander on the number two with double team, blah, blah, blah. I don't buy it. I think Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk are close enough. And the fact that Larry Fitzgerald in two wide sets plays outside and then in three wide goes inside, I would be willing to bet Jair is just going to be following Larry Fitzgerald around. Not 100%, but, you know, most of the time. Because why not? And how cool for him, by the way. I don't know. Just, you got to love Larry. Everybody loves Larry Fitzgerald. To be given the assignment of, oh, I want you to go lock down Larry Fitzgerald, that's kind of cool, man. That would be my preference, to just put Alexander on Fitzgerald, because he's kind of heating up a little bit anyway. Now, you could definitely make the case that Christian Kirk is kind of an Alexander type of player, right? He's kind of a slot type of guy anyways, so might as well just put Alexander out there. He's young and he's fast and blah, blah, blah. That wouldn't be my thing, but again, I really just don't care, because who cares? Because... (laughs) Because none of these guys are any good, and even if they are kind of good, I mean, they don't have an offensive line that can block, they don't have a running game, they don't have a quarterback that can do anything. This really just comes down to don't collapse and we win. Oh, this is so sad. I'm looking at my our safeties here. One of the best, highest-graded players on our team right now is Ibrahim Campbell at safety. And then Tremont Williams is one of our few below-average players right now. What a sad state of affairs. The guy has not had a good game since he switched over to safety. That's just unfortunate. To be fair, he hasn't had very many good games anyways, but it's still still pretty unfortunate to see him go out that way. I was really hoping he'd have a really good year this year. This is literally, officially, his worst year on the books, including his year in Cleveland. So, pretty painful. Sorry, Tremont. Sorry, man. I was hoping. Well, just got the word it's Mike Daniels going to IR, so that's... Whatever. I mean, it really... It Listen... It just doesn't surprise me. And I'm it's it, I'm not saying that he's not officially done for the year or whatever, but as I've been saying, this is just the way that it goes. When somebody gets hurt, 
the automatic response is ship them off, put them on IR. Like it's just, we're just, we're closing up shop. And it's the reason I'm so pessimistic for those of you that are like, no, we can still win a Super Bowl. We can do it. I'm telling you, the GM is just closing shop right now. If he can deactivate someone, he's going to do it. Oh, Trevor Davis too is on IR. So there goes our special teams. As I said, right? Just shut it down. But anyways, we're going to be positive here because it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, I I cannot envision a scenario. You know, I've kind of painted one out a little bit. But even even at that, it's it's at best a coin flip. Like if we decide we're just going deep every single play because Aaron Rodgers has just got something stuck in his craw and the defense isn't playing all that great and we don't really run the ball all that often and Bakhtiari's out and Lane Taylor's out, at that point, it's 50-50 if all those things happen. And I'd be willing to bet all those things aren't going to happen. So, you know, look, here's here's the deal. We get to enjoy a win. And I've already told you one win does not do anything to really hurt our chances as far as the draft. I think that would, based on my, we'll call it a simulation, it moved us from 8th to ninth. We can live with ninth. I would prefer 8th, but whatever. It's not dire. Bottom line is the teams that are going to be drafting higher than us are not going to win very many games, so it's not like we're going to be moving up that much. It only becomes a problem if we win about three or four games. That's when things start to be really unfortunate. We can win one, we can win two, or we can get into the playoffs. Any of those scenarios are fine with me. I just don't want to win three or four, and that's it. We can win one, and I think we're going to win one. I think we're going to win one very convincingly. I think we're going to have to listen for a week about how great the Packers are and maybe they're about to make a run and all this kind of blah, blah, blah nonsense because we're about to beat up on a really garbage team, which is a little silly. But, you know, you got to deal with people overreacting because that's just our society. But either way, as a Packers fan, we finally can just kick back and relax and not care. And here's why you can really not care. There's, there's three reasons. One, I already said, if we win, it doesn't really hurt us that bad in the draft. We can relax because there's a very low probability that it's going to be a close game. So it's going to be should be low stress. We just win it and we win it comfortably. But even if we lose, there's no reason to stress if it's close because if we lose, then we know we're going to lose out and we know we're going to get a high draft pick and we know we're going to reboot next year with a better coach and a more focused team and a more excited Aaron Rodgers and more talent and a, a GM that does very, very good in the draft and a GM that is more willing to go out and get free agents and 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 make a push so there's no reason for us to have a bad sunday there just isn't unless you are just 100 percent i want to tank or 100 percent we have to get into the playoffs you might have a bad week or or, you know yeah bad day bad week bad couple weeks but i wouldn't be in either of those those camps just just don't be that the odds of us getting into the playoffs are slim the odds of us tanking the rest of the season as in losing none sorry, losing all these games, even more slim. So just relax. We're going to be drafting in and around 10, probably closer to 12, and we're not going to get into the playoffs. And if we do, we're probably not going to get very far. So just relax. This is our fate. We're in a rebuild. Small chance we come back in 2019 on top. Really good chance in 2020 that we're a very good team, assuming our GM can continue to figure things out and we hit on a a quarterback. Why am I dumb? A head coach. This is why I do a podcast early, man. Early in the morning, my brain is dead and I can be focused. Middle of the day, my brain is everywhere. I'm I'm still playing that video game in my mind. I've, I've already eliminated Gandhi. 
Al-Rashid or whatever his name is, he's done. He's, he's game over. Just took over the whole island. It's all mine. This is, this is what I've been do- doing while I'm on the podcast. Not literally, but I'm just telling you, my mind is wandering like crazy. I really am mad at Gandhi, though. <laughs> I hope you know I'm referring to a video game, right? I, I, I don't, I'm not mad at Gandhi. Beyond that, however, looking at the defense, um, I think Mike Pettin's going to be able to do what it is he wants to do, even with the lack of, of bodies. And that is to focus on the pass. Because if they if they have some talent, it's going to be with Fitzgerald and Kirk and, and through the air. They're going to try to do some stuff with David Johnson. But um, I, I, I have faith that, you know, you get Martinez out there, you get Josh Jones as much as he hasn't been super impressive. Um, he's still got that speed and athleticism to kind of mitigate some stuff. we got Kyler Fackrell who's got some speed off the edge. Kenny Clark is just going to feast in the middle. Dean Lowry. Uh, he's having a fantastic year. Not really talking much about him, but he's picking up right where he left off in 2016. He should be able to do some stuff against Upati, a guy that I thought was going to have a good year, but Mike Upati not having a very good year. Rookie Mason Cole was supposed to be kind of a stud. He's been kind of garbage. So, I, you know, again, I expected this this offensive line to be pretty good, this, this team to be pretty good, and it's just been a nightmare. But um, all to the benefit of our team here. And I, I just, I, I really think that this is going to be a good opportunity to showcase, and it, and it is, it's, it's a good opportunity for these guys to really show up because the, the year is not, um, you know, it's not over, but it's not in good shape, and this is a real good time to really crank up the heat and demonstrate to your team that you're in it no matter what, especially for guys like Ibrahim Campbell, for guys like Josh Jones who are, you know, just, just who cares at this point? Just let it all hang out, man. Just go play. Just go get wild. Even for guys like Clay Matthews, you're not going to be on this team next year, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get it signed somewhere. Somebody's going to sign Clay Matthews. For how much money, that might depend how much you, how much damage you can do in the closing stretch of this year. Tony Brown, I don't know his status. I don't know what he's going to be doing or if he's going to be playing or what's going on. But this is a guy that I think has been relatively impressive, but he's a f- undrafted free agent. This would be a real good opportunity to step up and shut some people down and continue the success you've had to try to solidify a spot. And again, if you don't make this team next year, you get signed somewhere else. You've got limited opportunities, which is why it just blows my mind that when a team doesn't do well, things fall apart. Isn't that an opportune time to kind of showcase that you don't give up? Wouldn't you want to be the one guy that's balling out on your team? Wouldn't you want to stand out? Isn't this about you've only got like a five to ten year window to make a bunch of money and you got a bunch of people pouting because the season didn't go the way you wanted to? I just don't get that. Are all football players just whiny morons? You have a limited window to make literally millions of dollars and you have a, a, a eight and eight season and miss the playoffs and you're going to pout and throw away your entire career because, oh, it didn't go the way I wanted to. I don't want to live in Green Bay. I don't like my coach. Dude, shuddy. Who cares? Look at, look at, just just go be a used car salesman. Fake it till you make it. You, get, you got people out there trying to sell beat up pieces of junk. They believe in it. Do they really? No, they lie. They're liars for a living. Go be a liar for a living. Pretend you love where you live. Pretend you love your coaches. Pretend you love your teammates. Is it really that hard? When you see your paycheck, doesn't that give you some incentive to go, you know what, I'm about to go love my team right now. I don't get it. Are you that spoiled and entitled? Is it because you got a job at 18 making millions? Do you think that's how the rest of your life is going to go? Ha ha, Clinton Dix, do you think that's how the rest of your life is going to go? If you get booted out of the NFL... 
Like other people that go around, you know, maybe putting their hands on people they shouldn't, whatever, whatever. You think that's how things are going to go? You think when you go sell cars for a living that you're going to make millions of dollars? You're not. When this thing wraps up, the money you made is the money you made and that's it. Now it's time to get on with your life. And if you went out and and signed a contract for $2 million as a rookie and then you get booted out of the NFL after that and you spent your $2 million on a house and cars and parties, guess what? You're, You're just a normal Joe now. You have a limited window. And and for, for one hour, once a week, for 16 weeks out of the year, you have to show up and act like you care. I don't understand for the life of me why that's hard and why we have to baby these people. Well, you don't want them to lose because maybe they'll be sad for an entire 365 days and they won't care anymore. Are you all that fragile? Football players, you're that fragile? Are you kidding me? That's so embarrassing. That's so ridiculous. You can't just pretend to care for an hour. I mean, half of these guys are on illegal drugs anyways. I mean, don't mean to le- le- you know let the cat out of the bag or anything, but you can't shoot up right before a game and get jacked up for 60 minutes? Snort some pre-workout? I don't know. Whatever it is you do, get jacked up on some music and go beat somebody up. And it's not even 60 minutes. You're sitting on the bench for 30 of those minutes. You go out there and beat somebody up for 30 minutes. Give it everything you've got. Thinking about the next paycheck, Clay Matthews. One more paycheck, man. That's all you get. Unless you're planning to retire, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. But for the young guys, if you're following Clay Matthews' lead, who's about to just retire after this, you're being ridiculous. Kyler Fackrell's got the right idea. He's not off the team yet. He's not done yet. He's coming up on a contract here pretty soon here. Any day you want to turn it around is a good day. He finally figured it out. He's finally about to earn that money. Dean Lowry, same situation. Blake Martinez, keep going. Alexander, don't stop. Josh Jackson, don't quit. Josh Jones, don't quit. Don't don't be ha-ha Clinton Dix. I don't even know how we got here, but I just... I. I'm just saying, I don't care what your record is. Why does anybody care what your record is? You, you, do you buy into this team stuff that much? Dude, this is about your life. Go earn money. That's it. Go earn money for the football team that you're on. And if they decide they don't want you on anymore, that's their loss. You know why? Because you put 100% out there, and if somebody else wants your 100%, let them pay you. I just I get so frustrated. It's been how many weeks now of talking about we got to be careful because if things don't go right, oh boy. I mean, what is momentum? Momentum is essentially the other team did something good and it's like, oh no, now we're going to lose because everybody's going to start crying and calling their mommy on the phone and saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so tired of that. Just go play football. You think I care? You think I care that you're sad? Bunch of 18-year-old spoiled brats who don't know what it's like to not be able to pay rent. That's what they are. I don't care. Shut your mouth and go catch the football. I don't feel sorry for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought my last rant would have been good for the month, but I guess not. That, that, doesn't that... I mean, am I, am I alone in this? Because I'll just stop. Am I the only one that just listens to how delicate football teams are and just wants to roll your eyes so far into the back of your head they fall out your ears? But if they lose a game... They'll never be the same again. They'll be ruined forever. 
Whatever. Okay, fine. Then we have to just win, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do with them. But anyways, uh, we're gonna win the football game. But re- but you know, really, it comes back to to put a positive spin on my emotional rant, my emotional outburst. I I just would love it to see some positive energy out of the Green Bay Packers. I get to see it every Sunday. I never really see it out of Green Bay. Jair gets pretty jacked up. And that's about it. Jamal does once he gets to play, but he doesn't really ever play. And if he does, he runs for a half a yard, and that's the end of that. Can we just... I I would love it if we could win and win convincingly and just see the excitement. Because it kind of goes back to what I said. Winning fixes everything. If we tank this year and we come back next year, I'm not worried about what we did in 2018 because if we come out in 2019 and win week one, we're going to feel good. If we win week two and three and four, the locker room is going to fix itself. Now, again, it's unfortunate that it has to be that way in order to get people to be optimistic and excited. Like, you know, again, you don't have to be. It's wrong that you have to be. Look at Jair. Look at Jamal. Look at Aaron Jones. He's kind of the same way. I mean, he's not overly optimistic about stuff, but do runs for a first down. He's got a little, you know, dust off his shirt, first down thing going on. He's, the young guys kind of get it, right? They, they enjoy football still. I, I really hope that with our new head coach, that's something they can bring. And I actually saw something interesting. I posted it in the Facebook group about uh, Dabo Swinney or whatever his name is, the Clemson head coach. No, I don't, I don't. To be honest, I don't know too much about the guy, but I've, I've seen some press conferences with him, and he's real big on, you know, about team and, and just, you know, being there for his guys and all that stuff. But anyways, it's, it's not really even so much about him, but the, the concept was we just want to get a guy that's kind of a cheerleader. Now, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the truth, but whatever his philosophy is, I hope it has a lot of energy, right? We heard some cool stuff out of uh, Mike Pettin. Now, we don't get to see it because he's up in the booth, but I want a coach to infuse excitement into the team because that's there's no question that's lacking. And it, that's got to hurt a team a little bit. If you get a touchdown and everyone's sitting on the bench or just kind of round of applause, I'm not sure that's uh, that's really going to carry you very far. But anyways, you get the point. That That's more or less what we're dealing with. This is a very terrible team. It's a good opportunity to get a pretty solid win. And, um, you know, it's it's more of there's things to look for. You want to see some of the outliers kind of have a standout game because it's a great opportunity to do so. The young wide receivers, the young corners. This is also a really good opportunity for things to go south. So um, it's more of a a learning opportunity for me because win or loss doesn't really change all that much. Actually, loss kind of does. But a win is more of just sort of, okay, what did I learn from that win? Because in in no way are we going to win this game and I'm going to say, wow, we maybe are going to win the Super Bowl. That's just a, a bridge too far. But anywho, I'm going to leave it at that and um, get on with my day. Talk to you folks tomorrow prior to the game. Hope you all enjoy your Saturday. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne 
Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.